Cody, I think you and I are both really excited to be in the room together again. Of course, you know, we keep saying that we're back from a hiatus because we keep taking so much time <laughs> off. But as we all know, it's it's hard it's it's hard to focus on this podcast when there is such other pressing issues going on in the world, such as COVID nineteen, such as the Black Lives Matter movement and the um, you know, all the protests that are going on and things like that which, you know, we have been supporting. and Yes. And so this whole episode, we would like to take time to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. We'd like to talk about these people that are being senselessly killed. We'd like to talk about systematic oppression. We'd like to talk about violence in the police force against Black people. And we'd also like to take time to tell the stories of so many different Black people that have been killed, lynched, murdered by racist, you know, law enforcement. Um, Today, we're going to talk about George Floyd and his backstory, because we know these names, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. We know so many of these names, but do we really know what their life was like? And it'll be kind of fun to dive in and get to know these people past the names, because they are history. These people are going to be major people in the history of the human species from here on out. And so it's important we really get to know them and their legacy lives on. Yeah, and I think what you said was truthful that um, I think the approach that I have and I think Cody as well is that this is an exciting time. It's scary and it's dark and there's a lot of shit we need to figure out, but it's really exciting and empowering and it's the time to take action and we have a lot of support and resources and people that know what to do and we can look to them and learn. And I think that it doesn't need to be something you come with fear or anxiety or being scared. It's time to just address it and learn and be excited to be a part of it. And so do something about it. Yeah. So we're stoked. We're feeling really good. I mean, a lot of things that we're going to be talking about are um, inherently sad and dark, but I think that the awareness is what sparks change and excitement and the fact that we can do something better and create something new as a, as a community. And so that's really exciting. I believe, and I'm being optimistic here, but I believe we are going to look back at the shit show that was 2020 (laughs) and we are going to realize that, you know, COVID-19 and the quarantine perhaps, and this is all just what I'm just kind of this is just my opinion. I don't have any statistics on this or anything, but this is me just trying to be optimistic. I think we're going to look back and realize that the quarantine and the global pandemic has awakened a sense of equality in a lot of people who have maybe not thought about it before or it didn't apply to them, so they didn't worry about it before. And when all these senseless killings, you know, that had led up to George Floyd being killed so shockingly, so brazenly on camera, that maybe people who have would have been quiet in the past have a new sense of equality and understanding that we are all equal in human beings and that it's time now to step up. I think that I think that perhaps there wouldn't have been such an outpouring of support and protests 
and even riots, which I'm not even necessarily against riots, but we could talk about that later. I think that that's all very necessary and we'll look back and realize this all had to happen in order for there to be change, in order for black people to stop being killed. Yeah. They are literally and being killed. I think it's important that we as white people realize that th- this isn't, there's not, this isn't a heightened version. This isn't, nothing's happening more often than it used to happen. Right. It's being caught on camera more than ever before. And I think what's happening in our generation that we're seeing that is like really sparking change is that we are holding our friends and family accountable for the way they talk about race, they treat people of different races. And so social media has really taken this huge accountability measure. And I know people are like nervous about people just sharing to their story and stuff, but even that is a huge, like this conversation has never been so accessible to so many people. And so um, I think it's important to remember that nothing about what's happening is new. This is systematic. This has been happening for ages. It's just that now it's it's even playing field for everyone to be involved. And basically now if you're not getting involved, you're saying it's it okay. It volumes. And so, yeah, I'm no longer accepting silence from friends on this. So I think that's what's really the big game changer in this is that accountability measurement that we're putting to everybody. And you know, there's a line drawn here. There is, in my opinion and in my life, there's a line drawn here. And the line has always been there, but it isn't as permanent and hard as it is now, in my opinion. If someone is going to come at me with um, the mindset of either silence, nonchalance, quote unquote, all lives matter, let's get into that. Yeah. Because I'm not here. I'm not playing. I'm not here for that anymore. So why we don't say all lives all lives matter versus black lives matter is because when we shine light on one particular group it is not to take away from another right we are shining light on black lives matters because black lives have been and continuously have been throughout history killed raped disenfranchised and oppressed in 100%. larger numbers than any other in this country and to to have a light shown on that and to say that black lives matter to 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 try to say that all lives matter and that we shouldn't be having a Black Lives Matter movement is extremely ignorant and extremely, I mean, how could you be, How I can't, I literally like cannot wrap my mind around or find the words to understand people that don't think Black Lives Matter. I cannot wrap my mind around white, people. Fragile, fragile, <laughs> fragile white people. <laughs> fragile white people. You know, there was, I'm not a fan of TikTok. It has been known, it has been said. I'm not a fan of TikTok. However, as I always say, as I always say, listen, I don't like TikTok. It freaks me out. But there was the best TikTok I've ever seen. It was posted on Twitter. I've been off Instagram. I've been on Twitter because Instagram has felt very surface level to me. I want some information and I know I could get that on Twitter. And I don't post or anything. I just read. But I saw this TikTok on there and a girl was doing a really great um, metaphor for people who say all lives matter. She said, you know, hey, this house down the street is on fire. We're going to go help them put the fire out. And this other woman says, well, what about my house? Doesn't my house matter? And she says, yes, but this house is on fire. So we're going to go help them because this house is on fire. Yeah, but what about my house? Okay, but your house is not on fire. You don't need our help. Your house matters. It's there. It matters. But we need to go help this house that's burning down. People are dying in that house. We need to stop that. 
And that's kind of how all lives matter are. We're not saying that white lives don't matter. No one is saying that Asian lives don't matter. No one is saying that Latino lives don't matter. We are saying that Black lives matter as well, and that they are in danger, and that we need to support them. Well, yeah, it's just, it's like, if you're not willing to see the fact that Black people are have a higher rate of incarceration... Um, they have a higher rate of dying from dise- preventable diseases. Yeah. They have a higher rate of um, being raped and the cases not being followed through on. They have a higher rate. I mean, it's just the inequity that happens. If you can't see that and understand that, then like we don't have time for you. No, we don't. And it's, it's God, it's like, it's got to be that harsh. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't deal with it anymore. If you, I can't deal with that level of stupidity anymore. No. If you, if if you can't understand that black lives matter and that it's not okay to be targeted murdered lynched oppressed because of the color of your skin then we don't i don't have to, i, I yeah. cannot entertain that i cannot, no, I cannot and entertain all, that and or if there's any that. white people listening that say that you should be proud to be white. Okay, I'm not saying I'm ashamed of my whiteness. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm ashamed of what people have done with their whiteness to people who are not white. Mm -hmm. And it has to stop. Yeah. And that's where we stand on it. Let's talk George Floyd. So George Floyd, you know, I love the backgrounds and the history of people. And um, we keep saying his name and so many others. Today, we're going to focus on George Floyd because the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd has sparked such a revolution that is so necessary as we know that's happening right now, not to discount the other people such as Breonna Taylor, Ahmad that have been, and so many more that have been killed. But today I just wanted to do a little deep dive on George Floyd. You know, he grew up in, he was one of Houston's poorest neighborhoods and yet he really was kind of an athletic superstar in high school, basketball and football. And he actually got a scholarship to a college because of his football. And he was the first of his siblings to attend college which was really cool. Back in high school and college, he was known as Big Floyd was his nickname because not only was he super tall, but he had a huge personality, a huge sense of humor. And in fact, anytime his team would have a big loss in football, um, he was known to be the guy that would kind of break the ice and he would joke and laugh and kind of lighten the mood. And he was kind of a silver lining whenever something negative was happening. He faced all kinds of different difficulties and troubles in his life. And yet he was known um, from the sources that I read to have that kind of bright personality and see an optimistic way out of it. In fact, after college, he did run into some um, trouble with the law intermittently. And yet in between all those troubles, he would do things like be a security guard at homeless shelters. Um, He'd be a security guard at transitional homes he even worked through a Christian program that would help people get them into rehab. And so he did have a heart of gold from what I read, which was pretty inspiring. Yet he did keep getting into trouble every now and again. In fact, one of the times he got arrested, it was for an alleged drug deal that was a $10 alleged drug deal, which Jeez. he spent 10 months in jail for. And and I, I have <sighs> to interrupt you for a second because I saw an unfortunate thing on Facebook that said, why are you protesting the death of a five-time felon? Because he died. Because he was brutally murdered in the streets 
by a white cop and I, it's just it's it's shocking to me that we would have to explain that to somebody i i like what on what planet does a ten dollar alleged drug deal constitute, constitute 10 months on what planet does a counterfeit was it check or, or money? I think the, so. Yeah. It, what on what do, what on what earth does it petty crime? Petty crime should not. not you should he, be uh, murdered for petty crimes. No, he, he was lynched by that racist <sighs> son of a bitch cop. And uh, furthermore, on that topic, the the two strike laws, the three strike laws that we see in some of these communities that we live in, um, there's men doing 246 years in prison for stealing twenty dollars out of a, a register, like. Because that's it, where that's where the country wants them is in jail. Right, they want them insane. in prison, and that's fucked up. Sorry to interrupt, but no, it's okay. I'm coming to the end here. Um, you know, he he did all these he did all these things that were such you know, in between going in between trying to make better, he's trying to become a better person right. in between each time he fell in trouble with the law, and that's what breaks my heart the most. And in fact, towards the end of his life, he was actually, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but he's actually diagnosed with coronavirus. He had COVID-19. So he, he was self-quarantining. And then by the time he was fine, he spent time with his girlfriend and his roommates and um, his roommates, you know, they, they're the ones I read different articles and his roommates wrote one that was really touching about what a great guy he was. And, um, when he was being killed by that police officer, he was calling out for his mother and now he lays beside her mm, Yeah, 15 days after he was murdered. So, um, a vegan taco restaurant in LA called, um, sugar taco has a uh -huh. mural painted by a, a local artist that is a quote of his very young daughter. Oh. And it says, um, I'm paraphrasing, but it says, um, daddy changed the world. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I know. Well, he really did. I just got goosebumps because like I said, he's going to be, this is, this is not something that is going to come and go as a, um, it's not going to come. His name is not going to come and go. His name is going to be taught in history. His, yeah. And we're not giving up. We're, not, we're not stopping. Giving up. We're not no, well, this down is, next This week. is the thing is that my hopes optimistically will be that years from now, True history will be taught in schools, not history of this is why we celebrate Columbus Day and 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 you know all these horrible things that we cover up and have taught in schools to make white people feel comfortable it's It's really important that from now on we teach true history what really happened, and George Floyd is going to be a massive, massive part of that because this is a turning point in american and perhaps world history yeah and i hope that when you when your kids are reading it like when i read about the rodney king riots i was like mm -hmm. i wonder what my i mean my parents are in the east bay northern california but it's it's fascinating to know what they did during that time and i'm going to be proud when my kid comes and asks me what i did during this time cody and i showed up to a protest in ohio i've donated a bunch i'm doing the research i'm learning i'm i mean i want to have pride in that answer yeah and it's important. It's um, it's extremely important to have pride in that answer and to have pride in the fact that um, you did your part to help with a solution that yeah. will hopefully hopefully be found. Yeah, and I think you know with the Black Lives Movement, we've seen a lot come out of it, and I think one of the biggest radical ideas that is surfacing through it's not really that radical, but this surfacing through social media and on talk shows and everything is defunding the police. 
which is at, uh, just at a statement, kind of an alarming statement for right. people who don't understand what that means. Right. On and, surface and, level, it's kind of shocking. And why that would be necessary. And so I think it's important to focus on the abuse of power that police have expressed for generations that have harmed the citizens that they are in charge of protecting. And I think we're pretty aware that they are killing black men um, and targeting black men. But I'm really riled up about this topic right now um, because it's been brought to my attention about the sexual abuse that police officers do Mm -hmm. to people in custody. I literally... I'm so naive. The wool has been over my eyes for years. Horrifying. I really didn't know you guys. And that's the thing is like, I'm so willing to admit my ignorance because I mean, I feel like if there is one to a hundred percent of wokeness, I've been like 30% woke for the last few years. But haven't you felt about 75%? Yeah. I've been, I've been thinking like I'm super woke. Oh, that's No, thing. I'm oh, not. I'm an thing. idiot. Yeah, no. I don't know anything. So, I am going to do a lot of reading right I think, now. I think this month has taught all of us that, that <laughs> we don't we, know shit. <laughs> we thought we were running on a certain level of wokeness when really, no, we ain't woke at all. We ain't woke at all. So wake us up. Okay. Steph, what'd you get? So this is, I, I pulled from two articles. I pulled from a study completed in 2014 by Bowling Green State University. Um, it found data that was analyzed for 548 arrest cases in the years 2005 to 2007 of 398 officers employed by 328 non-federal law enforcement agencies located in 265 counties and independent cities in 43 states. Findings indicate that police sexual misconduct includes serious forms of sex-related crime and that victims of sex-related police crime are typically younger than 18 years of age. Police routinely operate alone and largely free from any direct supervision, either from administrators or fellow officers. Police commonly encounter citizens who are vulnerable, usually because they are victims, criminal suspects, or perceived as suspicious and subject to the power and coercive authority granted to police. Police citizen interactions often occur in late night hours that provide low public visibility and ample opportunity to those officers who are able and willing to take advantage of citizens to commit acts of sexual deviance and to participate sex crimes. When uh, this study later stated facts that out of the five almost 500 of uh, 400 officers employed in those 43 states they found 236 officers with a- accounts written that they had done some form of sexual abuse 30 okay. 36 of them have more than one report one officer had 14 allegations brought against him and he is still he was employed at this time does that make sense like yeah so i'm also reading this other article by angie j ritchie for npr news She's stating that the widespread systematic and almost routine nature of police sexual violence remains largely invisible to the public eye. I'm glad she said that because I'm feeling like that right now. Like I had no idea. Right. Well, why would, why would they let, I know, know? um, an investigative report by the Buffalo news cataloging more than 700 cases concluded in the past decade, a law enforcement official was caught in a case of sexual abuse or misconduct at least every five days no every five days there's a law enforcement official who's caught 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 this is caught that's the extreme word in this caught that means how many were not right okay i saw it i'm not interrupting i'm gonna be real brief i saw a video during a protest of a woman get absolutely groped by a police officer during a protest 
just he comes from behind her, grabs both of her breasts. She obviously spins away like get and I think she even says get off me. Boom. She's like I don't I think she was pepper sprayed or something. Yeah. Thrown to the ground. Disgusting. Disgusting. Um a national study of officer arrests for sexual misconduct between 2005 and 2011 found that one half of the cases involved on duty sexual offenses, one fifth forcible rape and almost one quarter forcible fondling and that almost one half targeted minors. The study further notes that distinctions between on and off duty police crime are often difficult to make and that off duty sexual offenses are often facilitated by the power of the badge or the presence of an official service weapon. According to the Cato Institute, sexual misconduct is the second most frequent reported form of police misconduct after use of excessive force. (sighs) Yet it is clearly not the second most frequently talked about. Wow. So it's misuse of force Uh and sexual misconduct. Those are the two biggest complaints against police officers. And who is met? What are we spending our taxes on to protect us from? I'm paying an From violence uh, and sexual misconduct. Okay, so I... I <laughs> you know if, what I mean? Like, yeah. what the hell? And so if you're like me, wondering why these statistics and this knowledge is not readily available, she states it is largely due to reports, complaints, and calls being swept aside and a lack of any collected evidence. There is gross absence of official data. Law enforcement authorities can continue to sweep this issue under the rug, and when it does come to light, claim that it is dealt with swiftly and decisively through discipline and criminal prosecution. Likewise, government can continue to act as though this issue does not exist. When I... This is um, a quote. When I tested before the Prison Rape Elimination Commission, one of the commissioners told me it was hard to take action against police sexual violence without concrete data. Thus, sexual violence by police remains what former Seattle police chief dubs as a nasty little secret. Not to mention they (sighs) they target vulnerable and young women of color who fear to speak out against the people they fear the most. The people that are supposed to help you and protect them. Who else is there to call when the police have failed you? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Furthermore, invisibility is also perpetuated in part because in the absence of official data, our understanding of police violence is shaped by research studies based on complaints and media reports. It is estimated that only one third of rapes and sexual assaults are ever reported. This rate is no doubt far lower among women who are raped by the very law enforcement agents they would have reported to. As Penny Harrington, former Portland chief of police, points out, the women are terrified. Who are they going to call? It's the police who are abusing them. Many survivors, like the women I met in, this is, I'm quoting this article still, like the women I met in New Orleans, like me and many others who have told the stories over the years, don't report incidents out of shame or fear that they will not be believed. Some survivors fear exposure of their sexual orientation or gender identity, retaliation by police officers, or criminal charges. deportation because they are undocumented are involved in sex work or are using controlled substances. Some may fear coming forward in isolation in the absence of support from anti-police brutality or anti-violence advocates or uh, and maybe sexual violence by the police just becomes part of a seamless web of sexual harassment, assault and violence that begins for women of color in the morning. 
When they take out the garbage and are whistled at by the neighbor, continues with endemic sexual harassment at work or school, and ends when they are propositioned or groped during a stop by a cop on the way home, simultaneously ordinary and out of the ordinary. Even when a woman takes the risk to lodge a complaint, there is the question of whether it will be, be recorded, taken seriously, and covered by the media, particularly, particularly given that officers are known to target individuals whose credibility will be challenged. By its very nature, sexual violence is hidden away from public view witnesses and cop watching cameras make it more likely that complaints will be deemed unsubstained because officers can often reply rely on threats of force or arrest there are often no injuries requiring immediate medical attention and therefore no evidence beyond a woman's word as a result researchers almost universally caution that because of these limitations documented cases may represent only the tip of the iceberg Yet, even in the absence of official data and limitations of other sources, sexual violence by law enforcement is one of the areas in which the greatest amount of social science research on women's experience and policing exists. So besides those examples, I also learned of something that happened in Sacramento, which is really close to where I grew up in Contra Costa County, where um, a woman had a complaint about um, her boyfriend using her nudes against her. She gave the photos over as evidence to the police officers and then they sent them to everyone in the force to look you at you are kidding no and then another case like this on a college campus a girl was getting threatened by her boyfriend to send her nudes or for uh, or uh, he will hand over her old nudes for a thousand dollars right right she went and made a complaint she gave over the nudes to the police again um, this is a completely different case. And later that week, he shot and killed. It was murder-suicide. The boyfriend shot and killed himself sh <sighs> and killed her. And they had used those nudes throughout the forest and shared them and did nothing to help this young woman who went to them. Wow. So, Disgusting. So, yeah. And this is a Black Lives Matter issue because brown bodies are targeted way more often because they are deemed as non-credible in, in the eyes of the law. Right. Why, why listen or trust the people that you don't even want to be here? You know what right. I mean? Like, it's so fucked up. It's fucked up. God, it's so sad. It's really sad. And so um, this brings us to our next, like, discussion point is that um, today I'm really worked up about this police sexual abuse, right? So that's what I'm really focusing my energy on. I'm learning about it. I'm researching. I'm educating myself. I'm talking to others about it because people who aren't willing to accept that they are killing black men will be willing to accept that they're raping women. Yeah. And so that's the angle I'm working today. That's what I'm focusing on. That's where I'm putting my energy in. I think it can be really overwhelming when you wake up in the morning and we need to focus on prison reform, p police brutality, sexual abuse, um, the systematic issues within um, capitalism that keep people of color down. But I think it's important to focus on what you're worked up for that day, mm -hmm. that week, that month, that year. Because if I get worked up about this, I'm going to focus on this. Cody's going to focus on something else. Blair's going to focus on voters' rights for disenfranchised communities across yeah. the states. So if we all focus on uh, the shit that gets us going, like we can do something. Absolutely. If, if you try to spread yourself too thin on these issues, what are we doing? Well, that's the thing is there's so many, there's so many different things to support with all one it has the common the common ground of equality yes and what are you going to do to help achieve that what what are you going to protest what voices are you going to hear how are you going to get your voice heard and all these different pillars of hope and change 
will lift up the foundation of equality to become something strong. And it's important that we have all these pillars to lift it. And so, yeah, you're right. It's rather than getting overwhelmed by all the things you should be doing, do what you can that's going to make a difference and make a change. Focus your energy and be intentional. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. And it's a great note. Absolutely. Amazing. And so... I've also seen people are just so greedy for attention. Anytime we focus on Black Lives Matters, I've seen the black inventors thing going around on Instagram. I mm-hmm. saw someone saying, well, what about like, why are we focusing on them? What about all the other great inventors? And Once I saw again, because someone, all the other something wrote, yeah. someone wrote about this beautifully. It said, many of us learn about the inventions of Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison and other white men. But how many black inventors can you name from memory? Exactly. It's important to celebrate black inventors because most of them did not receive the credits nor profits they rightfully earned all because of their race this is not about one group being better than the other it's about celebrating inventors from all walks of life especially those who have been historically unrepresented and disenfranchised absolutely so um cody and i are going to read a couple um cody do you want to start us off absolutely dr shirley jackson she was an american physicist who received her phd from massachusetts institute of technology back in 1973 and she was actually the first african-american woman to earn a doctorate in nuclear physics at mit and in addition to her lengthy list of academic achievements she also has an impressive number of inventions under her belt such as um the developments in telecommunications space, including the touch tone telephone, the portable fax, caller ID, call waiting, and the fiber optic cable. So, hello, if honey. you have ever yeah. called someone to <laughs> and ignore say, their phone call, I love you to say we're going different routes here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's all thanks to Dr. Shirley Jackson. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Okay, next. Next. Did you ever enjoy water gun fights as a kid, Cody? No. Okay. I'm just kidding. I actually had one today with babies oh my and God, nephews. It's so fun. But it's also I yeah. I we let's not get into it. We're talking about inventors. No, I know, but this is has to do with it. I know. I prefer a water balloon fight. I'm oh, okay. such, Good I'm for such you. a nutty left wing a balloon. liberal balloon of liberal that I'm oh, like, you're I'm like just, I do you don't not even like want guns. squirt guns because they're don't, fake guns. I don't I told my That's really I woke Okay, I hear you on that. No, but I'm being dead serious. I'm not trying to sound cool. I don't no, like I, when they point guns at me, my nephews. I'm like, don't use those. Right. Okay. Ugh. Good for you. Sorry. No, I prefer I like a water that. balloon fight. Okay, we like water balloon fights, but Lonnie <laughs> Johnson, the man that gave us the most famous water gun, the super soaker. Lonnie wasn't a toy maker. He was actually an aerospace engineer for NASA with a resume resume boasting a stint with the U.S. Air Force working on the Galileo Jupiter probe and Mars Observer Project and more than 40 patents. Yes, he's also working on the Johnson thermoelectric energy converter, which converts heat directly into electricity. Oh. So, yeah, he's dope. And I hope and he, he created cracks the, code the on that. super soaker. Super soaker. Okay. It's That's cool. Epic. Like I said, I'm not into toy guns personally, so I don't like that. But that is a pretty iconic Come toy. On. I have. I will that shaped give you our that. childhoods. Let's I will go. give you that. I just, you know. Um, also, the first home security system was invented by a black nurse named Marie Van Britten Brown. Uh, she's a full-time nurse, and she was recognized. She recognized security threats to her home and devised a system that would alert her of strangers at her door and contact relevant authorities as quickly as possible. Her original invention consisted of peepholes, a camera, monitor, and a two-way microphone. The finishing touch was an alarm button that, when pressed, would immediately contact the police. 
Her patent laid the groundwork for the modern closed-circuit television system that is widely used for surveillance, home security systems, push-button alarm triggers, and crime prevention, as well as traffic monitoring. Hey, sis. Good job. Good job. Way to keep your home Also, safe. I love that she came up with all that because she had to be slightly paranoid, no? Uh, you, well, yeah, yeah. Probably you for good be, reason. You gotta be paranoid, yeah. Um, awesome. I want to put in a security system into my home. So you can like watch the ghosts. Well, I already, I already have one, but I would like one of those that's connected to my phone. Oh, okay. My house is tricked out with cameras. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I am a paranoid person. So when I'm vandalizing your house next, I need to watch out. No. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I also, um, just started following. I am Tabitha Brown on Instagram. She is an absolutely incredible activist. Um, She's amazing. Her voice is epic. I just, everything about her I love. And I watched a very quick um, Instagram TV today of her. And the message I think is important to kind of in this episode on it's um, to truly be intentional and people are so quick. Okay. So you know how things are like second nature to you and that's like who you are as a person, your habits, the way you react to things like that's who you are. How do you react in times of struggle? Like that's who you are. That was what makes you a person in my opinion. Uh Yeah, me too. Um, And people are so quick to judge. Yeah. Right. Other people on the internet to to call people out and it can be such a toxic environment. So her message was be quick to love, be quick to forgive, be quick to be quiet be quick to help, be quick to be mindful. I love that. Be sure that whatever you are quick to do is mindful and done with light. Do not be quick to judge. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. I That's my her. language right there. Right? I love that. Okay. I love and be that. be open to flexibility and change. Um, we hope that our listeners and anyone that follows us on Instagram or is in our life knows that um, let us know if we fuck up and let us know if you're inspired or if you have more resources for us to yeah. ke- keep doing this um, conversation, which we are going to keep this conversation going um, in some coming episodes. So uh, we're open to flexibility and learning and changing. And we're open to discussion. I think something that Stephanie and I both believe with this podcast is that we don't ever want it to feel like we are two voices talking to you through your airpods through your <laughs> through your um car system we want we want you to talk back we want to hear from you this is a discussion this isn't two people talking at you if you would like to correct us on something that was misspoken if you would like to enlighten us on something that we may find interesting if you would like to share an experience of yours that you might want to be said on topa talk because you would like your voice heard let us know because we want to hear from you as well. Yeah, absolutely. We've saved all the resources that we use to make this episode today. If you have any questions, want to read the articles or learn more, please let us know. We'll be happy to share. And Black Lives Matter, we love you all. And we are looking forward to what the future holds. And we hope that it holds peace, equality, justice, and inclusion. Yes. Well all said. Right. Love you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.